Welcome to In Scripture Podcast. We're so glad to have you with us while we dive into Scripture to dissect God's Word verse by verse. Listen with us and don't forget to leave us questions and feedback as we journey through His Word. Welcome to In Scripture. Leave us a like and listen. Um, horrible start. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, everybody. They should do that before they listen to the episode in case they don't like it. So just yeah. pause it and go do that right this now. This is right? our 76th episode. I'm keeping tabs now because going to the bottom of the list and scrolling all the way up and counting each episode is... <laughs> we should tell forever. our editor to put the number episode number before nah. the name That'd be which i told him before but he didn't listen i don't think he does much editing <laughs> i think he does <laughs> don't say that um yeah we're getting close to 100 are we doing anything special for 100 i don't know we'll have to wait and see two cups of coffee per person alex four shots in each cup mm. <laughs> we could get the famous um Taco Bell pizza that Serge was so hyping up so much. Mexican that pizza. <laughs> oh, that is so true. We'll I've never tried it. Episode. I've never. I've worked at Taco Bell for like two and a half years. I've never tried it. Wow. Did you really? Yes. Wow, that's something new. We what talked about this, dude. Were you not here for that episode? It was actually a combined franchise restaurant of KFC and Taco Bell. Ooh, they still are. You were here. Remember, it was the pizza episode. Yeah, but I can't remember. It was Taco Bell. Yeah, yeah, it was. Com- it was the one that off a we were talking wrote. about the best pizza. I'm pretty sure. And he said Taco Bell. No, or we're talking about the worst pizza. He said he, Costco. I think we were he just talking about pizza. I, I, we're not gonna do this again, guys. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta find out what number episode that was, and the listeners can go it was, back. It was and maybe like, go back. like four, four or five episodes back. It wasn't that far back. Yeah, it was a good topic. Did you listen to your parents when you started your job at Taco Bell? At that time, yes. No. <laughs> but it wasn't the disobedience wasn't because of or in relation to that to that job. There was an instance um my parents always were the kind of parents that like get a nice office job where you can sit behind a desk under AC when it's hot, under heating when it's cold. Um, and don't be like our dad who's huffing and puffing trying to keep our family survived and alive, which, you know, thank God for him and giving him the strength to do that. But that, and she wasn't meaning that in a negative sense, or they, my parents, but they wanted us to have a successful future, just like any other good parent want of their kid. Mm-hmm. And so when I was graduating in high school, I had my mindset on going into IT security, which I did. And um, I went through two years of CP. And then I went into UNCC, transferred to UNCC for my bachelor's, and I started failing programming classes. And I'm like, well, maybe this career is just not for me. And I talked to my parents about it, what I should do. They're like, stay in IT. It's what you like to do. It's what you're good at. Um, just try again and try harder and focus on your work and just keep going. I didn't listen. I switched my careers paths to I've been in photography, I've been undeclared, I've been in physical therapy, I've been in kinesiology. Um, anyways, I went down, my, my GPA just flunked down to like a one point something. Oh. And like 1.15 if I remember correctly because I just started failing classes left and right. Were you paying right. the bills for those <laughs> classes? I still am. <laughs> and um, 
So uh, it got so bad that UNCC kicked me out because they're like, your GPA <laughs> is, is lowering our average, so you, you have to leave. Um, but no, honestly, you have to have at least a 2.0 to stay in, in college. But if you drop down, anyways, I was too bad too bad for UNCC that started making it look bad, so they kicked <laughs> me out. I pleaded my way back in, but moral of the story, I went back into IT um, and instead of finishing my bachelor's in like three and a half, four years, it actually took me nine years to finish my bachelor's. Whoa. Yeah. And I went through three different institutes to do that. Because you didn't listen to your parents. Because I didn't listen to my parents. Um, there was, of course, during that time I That's was dating. nine years off your life. Yeah. During that time, I, I of course, I started dating. <laughs> I got married. I had kids. Um, so there was other factors at play, but it started out with me not listening to my parents and... Yeah, I like in those nine years, I probably could have had at least a master's, if not a doctor in some kind of IT field. Um, but it's yeah, so, it's so hard because you make them some of the most important decisions at your dumbest age. Yeah, yep. you think about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was you maybe get like married at your dumbest age, 19, early 20. You start that your age, career and, and go to school for your career at your dumbest age. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's interesting how God has it set up. But it's really a test of your, um, it's a test of your, well, obedience, number one. It's a test of your faith. It's a test of a lot of things at that age. And it's like, so glad that um, a lot of us, well, I think all of us were brought up in Christian families. At least we had Christ in our life at some point where we could, you know, maybe I should pray about this or think about this. Well, a lot of it is you have to mess up at that age. Mm Mm-hmm to understand what it means to like obey even your parents. And, and if yeah. that's the, the direction we're going in here, like sometimes you don't understand, like I'm sure Serge in that moment, he thought, what does my mom know? What does my dad know? They're from Ukraine or they're whatever. Foreigners. Like they've never been to college. They don't know what, what they're doing. They, like, what do they know about computers? Like, yeah. Like what do they know about school? What do they know about the, the future in America? Apparently they knew a lot. And exactly. <laughs> and, and, but that's something that I'm sure that, you know, Serge looks back and, he is more wise knowing what he kind of failed through and it kind of makes him more of a of a man who understands on a spiritual sense like you know parents might have something good to to offer you know or or in general just that that applies to a lot of things but in this case with parents in particular <laughs> my first time i didn't listen to my 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 father-in-law um cuz he's pretty much like he pretty much took over the dad you know the dad figure in my life because I never really had a dad but he took over and so there was a lot of stuff he guided me on and I I learned to listen to him but it started all with one simple thing like this is and this is funny because this is like this is I think this is after we got married already we were like visiting them Mm -hmm. and the first time and he's like he was like we were going to ride four-wheelers and he's like hey you should put a helmet on. <laughs> I'm like, it's snow everywhere. What do you know? <laughs> Why? I don't want a helmet. I'm fine. He's like, you should really put a helmet on. You're going to smack your face into something. I'm like, nah, I'm good. So I put this hat on. I'm like, the hat will keep me warm. And what do you know? Like, <laughs> we're riding through and there's a pricker bush. Smacked me in my face <laughs> so hard. And I had, I had still have a scar from it, but like it, it, it like really chipped my nose and I was bleeding all over the place. We were like, 20 minutes from home and um he didn't have to say much for me to realize like wow that was such a stupid like <laughs> the, the man told me like three times to put my helmet on and the funny thing is like i thought you know my brother-in-law andre i thought 
he wasn't going to do it, but he put his helmet on and he took his helmet off. He's like, should have listened to dad. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I learned quickly from there. If somebody's, you got to understand, if your parent is telling you something, they're never doing something out of hate or out of Ill intent. disrespect, ill intent. They're doing it because they care for you. There's only care behind it because they're put there by by God, which we're going to talk about today. But they're put there by, by God to care for you. And if you don't listen, I think that's, you know. Kind of get burned. Even in the small stuff, like I can't, you, you guys are bringing up like specific examples. I can't think of a specific example. You probably had so many. But I can't think of, yeah, I can't think of so many times, especially as a kid, where like dad warns me, if you do this, if you disobey me, you will be spanked or I will whack you upside the head or something. And then I do it wrong. And then he does it. And like, I, re- I remember thinking to myself, I deserve this though. Cause he did warn me mm-hmm. like to give him credit. He warned me. I disobeyed him. This is the consequence. Like that's how life works. You know, you do something wrong. You, you suffer the punishment. And it's like, I don't even have to remember the specific moments, but just knowing the fact that like that was kind of, established as a child that when you do something wrong if you disobey in any way like that is it can be punished whether you're standing in the corner for three hours or you know you get whipped like either way like something's gonna happen there is a consequence to that and like obeying every time I think to myself man I probably should have just done what was right you know like probably would have saved myself a a sore butt for a while (laughs) and and a punishment is actually the better outcome it, if you if nothing actually happens to you or you don't get hurt or make, child or make a, or make a dumb financial decision yeah like punishment by your parent is probably the better physical the physical punishment is the best yeah <laughs> yeah um but it goes to show right if if our parents if our parents say and they give us a warning and we don't obey there's punishment yeah what's the worst uh, physical punishment tool that you always feared. A wrong Let's, side of the belt. <laughs> I've experienced that one quite a bit. For me, it was, uh, uh, I forgot how to name it in English, but in Russian, it's prutik. Oh. It's like a, like it's like a, a branch. Yeah, but very it's, thin. It's, it's very thin and it's like it's green. It's like rubbery ones that yeah. don't break. It's like green, like very fresh. And the worst. That's not even a real branch. They, <laughs> they wet it first and then they smack you. Wet it. it. That's yeah. another level. That's premeditated right there. <laughs> we, actually, we actually, my grandparents had a spot in the garage where they keep the prut. Like they, they, keep, they keep it there. And kids, you can't reach it. Uh, but as soon as you get in trouble and you see the hand go up. You start running, but you learn ninja skills. You get whipped enough, you learn like how to. <laughs> learn ninja skills because that just made my dad want to hit me harder. <laughs> you just learn to like take put it. on four bo- pairs of boxers before he. I was about you. to say that. Like unless when you're to tell a kid, you take everything off. Th- unless yeah, unless <laughs> yeah. it's a butt naked one. Then. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, do you remember that time when you did get away with a few pants on layers? Has there been, you're like man this hack. <laughs> this is amazing. Like, you get to this point, like, how did I even think of this? Usually, why did I even think of this? Usually, earlier? that only and happens like, in the winter when they're impatient yeah, yeah. and they forget to tell you to get undressed yeah. first. Yeah. Dude, Gen Z's don't know nothing about that. But to wrap this up, I mean, this is how important community is, I think, uh, growing up. You need people around you. It's either your parents, your youth, uh, church leadership to guide you. You know, so you don't make those really huge mistakes. Like you said, it's the dumbest point in our life. And we're trying to find ourselves, our direction. You need those people to really guide you and keep you out of trouble. If you don't have that and you're making decisions on your own, 
I mean, good luck. That's right. It's really hard. Uh, we're going to dive into a wonderful book of Ephesians, starting chapter Last six. chapter. Yes, Mark, there's six chapters in Ephesians. <laughs> um, oh, man, I was so excited. <laughs> <last time. laughs> um, in, in Ephesians 5, we, we talked a lot about, and we're not going to go into too much detail in Ephesians 5, but we talked about walking in the light, walking in the light with Christ and through Christ. And uh, Apostle Paul covered a lot of kind of bases. He talked about marriage and the church, talk, talked about just the beginning of what it is to walk in love and the light and the wisdom. And we talked a lot about of how sometimes these are good reminders. We need these reminders. We need these things put back in our heart. Um, sometimes we put them on the back bench and just move on with our life. And there's a lot of things going on, but we tend to stray away from some of these um, basics that as a Christian, you should be aware of, you should be keeping track of. And getting into chapter six, um, the topic of walking in light is our main topic and context, but I think obedience is kind of the key word in these past couple of verses from the end of chapter five, talking about marriage. Uh, we talked a little bit about obedience there and getting into children and parents in chapter six. So um, for now, I'm going to read verses one through four, and we'll kind of go over um, and see, um, see what discussion we come up on. Chapter six, Ephesians, verse one. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on earth. And you, fathers, do not provoke your children with wrath to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admission of the Lord. That's pretty basic. Verse 5. Pretty straightforward. <laughs> Um, I see the verses one through three, and I think verse four, um, you kind of have your two, your two brackets here. You have children and you have fathers and children. I think we, we talked about this earlier is we have to focus on the fact that Paul starts with children, right? Um, reason being is obey your parents in the Lord for this is right living under a roof with your parents, living under their command, God put them there for a reason. We just kind of talked about our little stories here of we were told something, we didn't listen, um, and we oftentimes forget that parents are, parents are put there by God, and obedience is expected, especially if you live with them, if you still rely on them. Um, for this is right, for this is correct, for this is... Let me uh, <clears throat> let me give some background information on why Paul's writing this, just to put it in perspective. So the whole book of Ephesians really has two basic parts. The first three chapters is talking about Christ, what he did, what God did, how great he is and everything, and how holy he is and what he's done for us uh, as sinners, that we are now saved by his blood um, and, and uh, righteousness and all of that. And then... Ver Chapter four, five, and six is kind of like taking that into application in our day-to-day -day life. And he literally branches out in almost every single branch of life, um, kind of like a from 10,000 point, uh, point of view deal. So, and he talked about church, right? We talked about how we are to be united, how we are to um, obey our authorities, and uh, talked about the gifting of gifts for the um, edification of the church and how we are to grow spiritually into a mature manhood in Christ and how we are to walk worthy of our calling in the manner worthy of our calling, meaning us being 
as Christians, we are to be Christ-like, hence the name. And chapter 5 talks about how we are to abstain from sexual immorality. And and uh, he starts talking about submission to authorities. And ultimately, uh, our ultimate authority is Christ himself. And he takes that on a much deeper live, level, breaking it down in different levels. Uh, we have the husband and the wife. We have the masters and bond servants. And um, we also have here, he's talking about authority and submission between children and parents. And it does go both ways um, in terms of respect and honor to a degree because he's, verse 4, he starts talking about how fathers need to treat their, or parents specifically probably, need to treat their kids. So it's not just a only children towards parents relationship. There's also yep. a relationship from the parent side towards their children. And so he's trying to convey this message of submission to authority because, first of all, God is a God of peace and he's a God of structure and organization. And he wants to make sure that that is his character is reflected in not only his word, but our daily walk as well and how we operate. Um, so as we talked about husbands and wives and at the end of chapter five, um, he's kind of talking about the family. And so he kind of goes deeper into the family with the children and parents. So he says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. So he's not talking about any specific type of task where we should be obedient. This is a very general umbrella term, meaning pretty much in everything that your parents do or say, uh, we are to obey them in the Lord, meaning that it's God's command that we need to do this and we are to do this because God said so. And honoring your father and mother, right, you start showing respect. Now, uh, do you guys remember where this is? Paul's actually getting this stuff from? Probably Exodus. Probably. Yeah. Ten Commandments. Yep. It's one of the Ten Commandments. Um, Exodus chapter 20, I believe, uh, is the command where uh, it says, this is the first commandment with a promise. And what's that promise? He explains it in verse 3, is living long in the land, or as you read, on earth. Mm-hmm. Right? So it seems like... Um, obeying our parents has some kind of effect on our life here on earth. You know, obviously I think it definitely has an effect in our spiritual life, but it also stems into our physical life as well. Um, you guys want to maybe break that down a little bit more, see if there's any well, Before we get into the whole living long thing or longer, what if, like, okay, fine, you have some good parents, they're Christians, they go to church three times a week or whatever. Yeah, okay, that's, that's worth obeying. You know, that's worth listening to. What if that's not your case? Like, what if it's probably better for you to get away from your parents? You know, like, or maybe even, maybe nothing extreme. Like, I don't want to go to some extreme because that's always how people try to counter it. Like some crazy, but like, even if your parents are good people, but like, they're just, there's certain things that don't you think that even a, even a, a 18 year old who we would look say and say is like probably not the smartest person aren't there times where even the 18 year old is right? Like maybe, isn't there a time where maybe even the 18 year old reads the Bible and knows like, Hey, this is the right thing to do. Like what, what do you do in those instances? Because again, if my father was like some amazing pastor, then yeah, I'd just listen to everything he says. Cause I'm pretty sure he knows more, but what if that's not the case? I think it goes to the heart issue here because verse, um, chapter five, I read about Christ is the head of the church. The wife is to submit to husband, and she should do, she should obey her husband as she does to the Lord, 
asked to the Lord that she's obeying because she loves the Lord and he placed the husband over her. I think same thing applies here. For children, they obey their parents not because they're always right or they have the right answer. It's the attitude. I think it's the heart issue where you should respect and honor your parents as you do to the Lord. So I think that's where the heart issue is here. Well, then can you like honorably or respectfully disagree with your parents? Absolutely. I don't want to say the word disobey, but kind of disobey. Like if they're telling you to do one thing and you know it's not the best thing You can respectively say uh, this is not the right thing, but you say because you told me I will do it. But like I think it's the hard issue. It's not like it's not telling us in this situation you should, this you shouldn't. But we do know one one time where we can disobey authority and all is it when it goes directly against the scripture. Um, That's probably the only time I could say. Yeah, I was going to say like you, we can't put a blanket yes or no to that question, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, because there's too many factors that factor into that, nuances and situations that we can't account for. Uh, for example, say like a 16-year-old, technically someone that probably already has a driver's license, his own personal vehicle by this time of age, um, wants to go to church, but his parents aren't letting them. Should he listen to his parents, right? Like those types of situations versus like a 30-year-old that might not be married yet, uh, but is an adult, an, an independent adult, and his parents tell him not to go to church, should he listen to him? Right. That's, I think that, you know, age factor does play a role into that because you're still at a certain age, you're under direct headship of your parents, especially if you live in their home. So that, you know, like things like that still have to take into consideration. And then of course it also depends on what they're telling you to do and not to do. So like a Nigerian prince is asking for money in Africa and your parents are like, Hey, send them the money. And you're like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> Should I listen to that? That's a good example. <laughs> The Nigerian prince is asking for money. You personally. <laughs> Not your president, but you personally. Um, no, but I like, for example, um, there's times where I think it would be wiser for you to obey your parents than, for example, go to church on a Sunday, um, even though uh, it might not be sp- directly spiritually beneficial at that very second for you to skip out on church. But we do see instances in scripture where at least it, it talks in terms of husbands and wives that the wife which should still submit to her husband um, with a meek heart in obedience so that in that she can win his heart over to Christ. Mm-hmm. So sometimes, and of course, you have to look at the situation. You can't just put a blanket yes or no or do this and that. Um, but sometimes it might be wiser to submit to your parents and and quietness and meekness and try to win their heart over the, with that to Christ rather than being rebellious and thinking you're doing the right way, which you might be, but in reality, it might actually push them away from God instead of bringing them to him. I'm sure there's a lot of people yeah. that have been saved and converted, but they come from an unchristian family. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I'm sure they run into instances where their parents are like, what are you doing with your time? Why are you doing this? This makes no sense. Why would you go there? And you know, They might even tell you not to do certain things, but if it's not going against scripture or if it is, you know, going against scripture, then I would stick with God, obviously. Yeah. So, but typically on average, you know, say like typical Christian household, you know, you are to be, obey your parents, even though at that time, like we've all experienced, right? 
that at that moment we thought, oh, why do our parents know? They know nothing. They're either immigrants, first-generation immigrants, or they've just immigrated, or they don't know English, or they don't know how America works. What do they know? They don't know my friends. I do. And yet, whenever, as time goes on, we realize, no, I should have listened. Mm -hmm. And scripture obviously tells us that, that um, wise, actually, wise people actually learn from other people's instruction and fool learns from his own mistakes. And that's a verse in Proverbs. It's, <clears throat> it's interesting because you learn a lot of this to heart when you're a parent. <laughs> you realize why your parents did things when you have your own child. <clears throat> and your child now looks up to you, but you tell him to do something, and you know he's not going to do it. But now you're like watching him and you're like, oh, well, let's see how this ends up. You know, and most of the time, what you predicted is probably what's going to happen. And you realize that you know this because you've lived through, right? Mm -hmm. You've lived through your early age. You lived through your teenage. And so um, there's, a, there's also like to understand this passage, you really need to understand and understand who Christ and who God is uh, as your foundation. Um, knowing that, um, knowing that God put your parents there, right, for a reason. It's his, for this is right, um, in the Lord. It says, obey your parents in the Lord. So if you understand that, as a child, you will be better off. And when you're a parent, you will understand from both the child view and now you also will understand from, and you father's view as well, um, because you got to understand that it's got to be in the Lord. God puts your parents there and he puts you to your child for a reason. He sets it up, he designs it. And so you have to obey, uh, essentially you have to obey God. Um, but it, it explains in chapter, in verse three, why? Um, because I'm sure as a, as a youth or as a teenager, you know, as a child, <clears throat> you sometimes don't understand why you need to obey in everything. Why is it right? Um, before we get to it, I just want to quickly pause on the word honor um, because honor is, it's not just listening to your parents for the sake of listening to your parents, right? It's a respect. heart respect. Yep. It's a heart issue attitude towards your parents. So to honor your parents means you, you see them more than just a human being. You respect them. You don't want to discourage them by disobeying them. You don't want to hurt them or make them look bad. You want to represent them. You, uh, they're your role model. You, you know, you have this high esteem about them. About them. So, to honor your father and mother and mother is not just listening to them. It's it's so much more, and which goes into verse three as why God commands us to do that. Right, as He says, this is the first command of the promise, and then He says that you may live longer in the land. Explain that to me. <laughs> I was going to ask you that. How long are you going to live, Serge, huh? <laughs> I don't know. That's up to God to decide. Were you very obedient? I think Vlad brought this up earlier, a reasoning behind why um, the live long on earth comes along is, well, first of all, it says that it may be well with you and that you will live long. So there's two things at play here, your, your future, essentially, and... Um, and your survival on earth. And I think that the reason being is because when you're under your parents um, and they're your um, kind of overseers and they're your um, 
they're your masters in a way, right? They're your, what's the word I'm looking for? Authority. They're your authority, mm -hmm. right? You're put under their authority. You are at a point in your life where it is the foundational point of your life. So the choices that you will make, speaking of being a child or a teenager, the choices you will make then will impact the rest of your life. Um, because like we discussed earlier, when you're, when you're at that age, the most, some of the most important choices in life come up. You know, whether it's marriage, career, education, things that will affect you long term. And I think that if you do obey your parents and honor them, um, your your future will now unfold how God needs it to unfold. Yeah. So when you do respect authority, like your parents, when they say, don't go hang out with those guys, don't climb that tree, don't speed. But you don't even know them, my friends. I know my friends way better. Yeah. So like here, they're they're they have more wisdom than you. They're yeah. putting that authority, and they have, like you said, they have your best intentions in mind. They love mm -hmm. you, and God has that put that place. And I think God put this structure in place that if we just follow God's prescription, we will live longer. I think it's just as simple as that. Maybe it's not like almost like. If you obey, you will live longer. Like every time you obey, it just adds a few minutes or a few seconds to your life. That I don't think that's yeah. what it's talking about here at all. It's kind of found, like foundational. Just yeah. think of your think of your time with your parents in authority as your foundation of your life. That's where everything is going to get set up. Yeah, you can definitely end up cutting your life short, if anything, because of sin than what God maybe wanted you to live. And you bring this up, but how many people do we know? Like, I, I know some guys that, you know, died from drugs. And where did it start? It started from simple things like, don't hang out with that guy. Mm -hmm. Why? Why can't I hang out with him? He's a good friend. That wasn't listened to. So now it's a snowball effect, right? It starts getting, the snowball gets bigger. The problems get bigger and bigger. 15 years go by. And um, a lot of people I grew up with, I saw them sitting at a gas station looking for drugs waiting for you know they look rough they have ratty clothes on they don't have a future they don't have a life and where did it start right it started from the basic things it started from don't do this well i'm gonna do it anyway and so there's a re there's this rebel effect um and it you got to remember if you have if you have that sin in your life you have the rebel effect in your life it's only going to get bigger sin grows uh that you know attitude grows the attitude we should have is honor and the action we should have is obedience. Yeah. I just want to also bring up the fact that you're going to reap what you sow. Mm -hmm. And we see that in Scripture everywhere. For example, uh, Jacob and Isaac and Esau. Jacob sowed uh, trickery, deceit, lying. And what did his sons do? Just that to him. Only a thousand times worse. So do you, you think, reap what you sow. Do you think this verse could be almost extremely physical in a sense. And like, because I'm going to read Proverbs 22, verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Could it be that a lot of this wisdom that was being instilled, because this is, again, this is a reference to the Old Testament. This is a reference to certain portions of the history of humanity where life wasn't necessarily so, like, easy. You know, like, if one little drought and people can die, you know, and like there's wildlife outside, there's there's diseases that we're not fully aware of. Like, could it be that part of this wisdom here is that like 
listen, when you listen to your parents, those are people who have lived longer than you. Like they literally know how to survive. Like they literally know how to live longer. They know how to deal with issues. They know how to actually live. And so by listening to them, by being obedient, by learning from them, you f- you pass along the type of wisdom and knowledge that they know. And because of that, you can live longer. Like you can live a longer life because you know that mom and dad have been through this. They listen to their parents who have been through this and kind of trial and error leads to a longer life in a way, right? I know there's there's a spiritual side to this, but like on a more physical side, do you think that could be part of what he was talking about here when he was talking to the Israelites way, way back then? Yeah, it's practical. But remember that king after Solomon, his son? Jeroboam. Jeroboam. He he w- w- took counsel of the old and he took counsel of the, the yeah. younger mm-hmm. and he listened to the younger and that split the kingdom because he listened to his friends and not the wise that led the country through so many years. They had so many decades of wisdom. And he said, no, I'm going to go my way. It's such a good example because that for the future, that was a long-term mistake. Yeah. <laughs> long-term. That was a forever it. mistake. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like there was no, it was past his lifetime is yeah. a mistake. And we don't realize that sometimes we can make mistakes that will not only go into generational. <laughs> yeah. That are not only going to be a problem while we're here. It's going to be a problem with our well, kids. I want to bring back to the verse that you uh, wrote, uh, read from Proverbs, um, and you wrote, also... <laughs> you wrote a verse? It's the Book of Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, that was a good one. Uh, <laughs> uh, Mark with a C. <laughs> <laughs> um, you got to keep in mind who the audience was. Israelites, God's chosen people, people that know God. Paul and Ephesians, church. Mm-hmm. Elect, saved, you know, faithful people that know God. Mm-hmm. Um who is this written to? It's written to us, people that are church, regular church goes, supposedly saved and believe in God and try to li- live a sanctified life. And so this is kind of instructions to those parents and children. And I think the physical part does weigh in to some degree. Um, and obviously God being sovereign is Lord over all of that. But I think the ultimate point, there's the physical goes hand in hand with the spiritual because Ultimately, this is supposed to reflect God in our day-to-day walk. And so you want to do everything that you can to make sure that you're not reflecting the secular, sinful world, and you're reflecting God and His character and bringing Him glory. So whatever that means to actually obey your parents to be able to accomplish that, that's what you have to do. Um, So, And that can, in turn, uh, result in, I guess... uh, not shortening your life by doing stupid mistakes and drugs and mm-hmm. get speeding and get in car accidents and stuff yeah. like that. Let's jump into verse four. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in discipline and instruction of the Lord. So it kind of goes, what you guys said, it goes the other way too. So it says, children, obey your fathers and mothers. And then it says, fathers, also, you know, be do not be harsh with your children. So it goes both ways. So what, when you say provoke to anger, what do you think that means? Because I've heard multiple um, interpretations of what this means. Uh, some interpretations I, uh, I heard was... Physical or mental? Both. If if they're abusing their authority that God give, gave them to serve their own selfish um, ambitions, mm-hmm. where the wife doesn't have a voice, the children don't have a voice in the family... Whatever dad says goes. He doesn't listen to any 
any counsel and you serve the father, that causes resentment in the children and in the wife, and the relationship breaks down. Mm-hmm. And God is pretty much saying, walk in love, like we're saying in the whole the whole book here, walk in love, and then when you reflect Christ, you will treat others with love. Don't provoke your children. Don't make, have them resent you. It's just practical application. I've heard another interpretation on that. Go for it. <laughs> the interpretation, I heard, I'm not saying you're wrong. It's just different perspective. I've heard interpretation that as much as this might mean physical, mental, emotional type of anger, um, they said ultimately actually is trickling down to a spiritual anger that we as fathers are to discipline and raise up our kids in such a way that we don't provoke them to have anger against God ultimately. That no matter what, how discipline, that we should be careful with our discipline so that they don't hate the church, that we don't listen, uh, that they don't, you know, react in that way. And I guess some of the examples, and I get this is kind of debatable, but I know there's some truth to this. Um, sometimes parents will discipline their kids by, like, if they did something bad, okay, uh, you didn't listen to me, this is your punishment. Go read 10 chapters of the Bible. You know, like, and so for them to read the Bible, it seems like a disciplinary action, punishment, punishment instead of a desire to do. And so in that return, it causes them to be angry with Christianity and hate God. Uh, well, so, I think I think those go in line, physical, uh, physical, spiritual, spiritual yeah. and I think those, yeah, those go in line for sure because um, ill intent. Uh, there's still ill intent that can come from a from a parent who's mm-hmm. not um, who's not aligned in his Christian faith, right? Yeah. In his in his in his walking in the life, he's not walking in the light. There is going to be mistakes you make as a parent. Yeah, and so um, well, yeah, I like that. I think it's even more scary if the parent thinks they're walking in the light, and they take it out, and then they do wrong to the child, because then it really does corrupt the child's mind. Of my my parent claims to be such a strong person of faith, claims to be a Christian, claims to be good, and yet once once a child grows up and is able to pick up God's word with their own hands and read it for themselves. Then it's almost it's almost dangerous to that point because does the child understand truth and accept it, or does the child understand that they were lied to their whole life or they were manipulated their whole life? Like it's a very because I like the fact that he he says do not provoke your children to wrath, but he also tells the fathers specifically what to do with the kid, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Like your direction as a father or as a mother should be solely to bring them and train them up to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so anything that you're doing that would hinder that is, I don't know, and just the thought of a parent who would portray themselves as a Christian and yet... So what do you do if they still don't listen? Hold who, on. The child yeah. or the parent? The child. Don't listen to what? The parent. In what regard? If they're continuously rebellious. You do your best to discipline them. Yeah, but you also you gotta, there has to be a limit. <laughs> Are we talking about Jewish Jewish traditions and Jewish families in general? This is laws that God commanded. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
We can, can I, talk about this. What Paul? What's Paul <laughs> writing about here? Let's get into Paul's mind here. I just real really wanted to read a story from Deuteronomy about stoning their kids. It's okay. We got <laughs> five We're more. We're good. Yeah, you can do a cold open on that one day. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give you the floor. Your own podcast episode. I think part of it though. <laughs> You're saying, like, what do you do? Why if- I stone my kids. <laughs> you decided got, to I go got, into IT instead of doctor. <laughs> I got Outside nothing. now. I think part of it, you're saying, like, what do you do if the child is continuously rebellious or is just disobedient in general? I think part of it, though, part of not provoking your children to wrath is that as a Christian, everything you do should be with love. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that wrath would be if a parent does it without love. If a parent does it because they let their emotion get the best of them as opposed to, I mean, again, I am not a father, so I don't know. You guys speak more like openly about this than me. You should. But like, I would think that part of what Paul is trying to say here is that as a Christian, you're supposed to do everything with love. So even if your children don't accept Christ, even if your children refuse to like, follow the same faith that you follow. Even if they do all that, it should never be because you fail to love them as a Christian. Like it should never be because your lack of 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 peace and 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 joyfulness, the things that make us Christian, the things that make Christianity so appealing. Like that should not be the 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 issue that the child is having. It could be personal faith issues, but that itself shouldn't be the problem. So if we look at what is going on here again, like Christ is the head if we want to be Christ-like, how does the Christ treat his church and and his members with love, with patience, with long-suffering, with discipline at times, but with love? It's kind of saying, listen, Christ is the head, he's an authority, and he treats his children right. He doesn't treat them harshly. Follow his example. If you're a father, act like Christ. Don't be, um, you know, disrespectful. Don't be, you know, don't treat mistreat who are underneath your authority. Mm -hmm. So reflect that and be Christ-like. I think that's as simple as it can be. But this stems beyond the family as well. Mm -hmm. Um, If we look at verse 5 through 9, let's read it first. I'll go ahead and read it. Bondservants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by way by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, uh, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. I think it takes a... Uh to a different step here, um, going into now... Outside the family. Yeah, outside the family, your career, your life, wherever you may end up. Um, really good advice. I think I think if you took, if you actually took chapter six and you took verses one or four, you could actually sit down, you know, and read that with your child um, and with, and, and kind of talk about that. But same with verses five through nine, you could read that um, maybe in a work environment, or let's say <clears throat> you're training somebody up, right? Um, you're training somebody to be, to move up to where you are. And I think you, like these, these passages are awesome because you can literally sit down and talk about that. And there's a lot of good detail in here. And I think it was helpful to me. A lot of this is helpful to me. 
aside from Proverbs, Proverbs has a lot of good things on, you know, career-wise too. But in, in verse 5, bond servants be obedient to those who are masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and sincerity of heart as to Christ. So what Paul is saying here, whoever is a master over you at that point, your boss, your manager, um, whoever is put, you got to remember, he's put there, you're put in that position, you're living through that, God put that there for a reason. And it says, as to Christ, as to Christ, that's how serious it is. So if you are disobedient, always disagreeing, um, and, it, and it goes on in verse 6 too, but you have to think about that. You're now disobeying Christ. Yeah, I agree with everything you say, but he during this time where he's writing to Ephesians, they were slaves. Yeah. This is very common at that time. And there were slaves that were saved and they were in the church. And I'm sure he's pretty much saying, I'm a slave. I have a master. He owns me. Mm-hmm. I have license not to listen to him. It's almost like, yeah, I understand. I'll agree with you. I have to because he can't fire you, right? I understand. I have to listen to my mom and dad. Like I get that, but I'm a slave. Literally, he's a master, and he's saying your heart should be in such a place where even if the person has ill intent for you, where they mistreat you, where you're being, you should still obey. That's kind of what he's saying. It's like the most extreme example. Even in that example, you should honor that authority is that's in place like joseph what did yeah during his time in egypt and that does extend to employment too like you have a manager you have a supervisor you have yeah because you can see verse six says not with eye service as men pleasers but as bond servants of christ doing the will of god from the heart so um when you look at keyword like eye service or men pleaser there's those could be sly reasons why you are it's like the boss leaves for a meeting and you completely and then change. the whole the whole company's like ah oh, slacking off <laughs> yeah not really working and then as soon as the boss comes back or only working when you're being watched yeah well even if you are doing your work without the slack you know it's I'm I'm glad that Paul is taking a uh, addressed on the heart because the other person your master for example like your employer won't necessarily know the difference if you're obeying him out of eye service as a people pleaser for the sake of a paycheck, or if you're actually sincere about it. Mm-hmm. They won't really be able to tell the difference unless they actually have a personal relationship with you for you know going forward. Uh, but typically, they won't know the difference. But he's emphasizing that that's not necessarily the f- issue here. The issue is the heart, because God mm-hmm. knows the heart. Your employer, your master won't know your heart, and he never will, no matter um, how what kind of a relationship you have with him. But God truly ultimately knows the heart, and he make, wants to make sure that in there you're actually obeying your master, your employer, uh, as you are to Christ, not just for the sake of, again, not just for the sake of obeying, but because as if you're doing, as if Christ himself is asking you to do this task. Verse 8, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this will be received back from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. <clears throat> you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. Yeah, it goes, it goes, like Serge said, it goes to the heart, um, and there's always outcomes of everything. Mm-hmm. I think <clears throat> Joseph is really a good example of this, like a prime example of what it means to be literally a slave, like to be literally imprisoned, and showing that like Still with the right heart, like God will help you. Again, it doesn't, it doesn't always happen. You know, Stephen was stoned, even though he was a good 
like he did the right thing, but it still happened to him. Like it doesn't, it doesn't mean that life is going to be perfect because you happen to obey your master or your employer or whatever. But I think that the implication is that that's you're honoring that's Christ. the most fulfilling life that you will have because it's yeah you're honoring Christ at the end of the day. And again, like Serge said, it really does. It's it's very personal because nobody can tell you if you're doing it as a as a as a for men pleasing or if you're doing it just because that's truly what you believe and it's part of your faith. Like nobody can tell you that 100%. It really is up to you to decide like, am I this person because I have to be or because I desire to do this for the Lord? Mm -hmm. And that's the ultimate love. I can tell my kids to do something and they'll do it because uh, I got to do it. Or she'll like, my child will listen to me and like, I'm doing this because I love you, dad. That's completely different. That's on another level. And I think that's what Christ wants our heart in it, an intentionality to it. And a good parent will also reward his child a lot of times because as the child, you need to hear some sort of feedback, right? Mm -hmm. And I think this goes to employers too. Um, a good boss will reward you for doing, for doing the things he says to do. Um, it gets complicated when you have a boss who's not doing, you know, we're going to get there, but what when you have a boss that's not doing what verses eight and nine say. So um, I was trying to find the Joseph in, in Genesis 39, uh, Mark, you brought it up. It, it says here from verse one, well, actually I'll read um, verse two. The Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man. Joseph was a successful man because the Lord was with him. And it says further down, um, Joseph found favor in his sight and served him, talking about his... Um, his owner, right, or his, Pharaoh. his master. Yeah, um, because, so the Lord was with Joseph. That's why he was successful. Mm -hmm. um, and But Joseph also did his part. He didn't just, the God wasn't just with him, and he was reaping all these things. Joseph did his part, which was obedience. Mm -hmm. And we see that he had multiple uh, masters that he served throughout his life, and he ended up being the top guy, almost the top guy. Because he still, yeah, he still had Pharaoh over him, but... VP. <laughs> yeah um i wanted to go back or sorry go back i'm shifting to my bible here i wanted to go into if you guys are ready to verse eight mm -hmm. you have a passage for us yes flipping through my bible <laughs> uh actually Yes, verse 8, so knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. And, and we already actually talked about this. So um, if you know the goodwill you're doing and you're doing it from the heart to God, uh, you should know that just like verse 3 says, um, or just like verse 2 says, which is the first commandment with promise, there's also a promise to listening to and obeying your master too knowing that whatever good anyone does, he'll receive the same. So there is, there is going to be, it is what you reap is what you sow. Um, there's going to be a good outcome. But getting into verse 9, it kind of goes, again, it, now it's talking to the master, right? And you masters do the same things to them, giving up threatening, knowing that your own master is also in heaven and that there's no partiality with him. So um, I think Paul covers all the bases here, starting from child to parent to to boss, to servant, and um, I think we see, what's that one thing, question for you guys, what's that one thing you guys see 
that's aligning with all of these, with all these kind of um, persons. We all have the same master. Love. I think both of those, right? Because um, master also in heaven. So yeah, you have. We all have our master is all. Our master is God, right? And so by doing, by serving those who are above us, we are serving God at the same time. And you might be in different stages of your life. At, at this point of your life, you still might be a child and you're living with your parents. At, at this point of life, you may also be a parent, right? You might be a father or mother. Um, at the same time, actually, you might be a bondservant and you have a boss, right? You have an employer. And so there is, there is this one key topic here that there is submission and at the same time, it's submission to God. In doing these things, like Paul says, you are ultimately submitting to God. Um, and as a master, um, it says that you have to do the same things to them. So what, what, your, uh, bonds, what your servant is doing to you, you have to do the same things to them. So there's this two-way street, right? There is a, a way of respect both ways. It's not just one guy does one thing, whatever he wants, and you have to submit to that. There is this two-way street, <clears throat> um, and it also says to give up threatening. So there is a, a form of attitude, too. Um, has to be different to be a good boss. Yeah. You have to, uh, I think there's a, uh, you know, a sense of violence there because, obviously, you know, if you're a, bo- if you're a mass slave owner, you, slave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you have some right to physically abuse your slaves, but obviously— Which you know, was common in that day. Yeah, very common in that day, but here, yeah. not so much. Um, but I do like that you pointed out the fact that masters do the same to them. Mm-hmm. So the standard is equal. It's a horizontal type of standard, right? It's the same from bond servant or your, you as an employee towards your employer and your employer towards the employee— they are to respect each other the same amount, the same way. And the fact that Paul goes even further saying that uh, you do that knowing that your master is the same as his master who's in heaven and is going to judge us the same way and loves us the exact same amount no matter who you are necessarily here on earth. Uh, it doesn't depend on your title. Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and you don't wait for the other guy to start doing his part. Whether you're the boss or the servant, you have to do your part, and then ultimately the other person will start doing their part. I think um, if you're a leader, you can have an employee that really doesn't like your rules, doesn't like the way you keep track of everything. He just doesn't like your presence because you are above him. You are watching him. But if you show the respect that he needs to show you to him first— it will always end up being better, right? That person will always realize like, oh, maybe he maybe he does care for me. Maybe there's more to than him just being a boss. Maybe the person does care for me because that person will see that. Vice versa, right? You might have a bad boss, a terrible boss, <clears throat> but he will notice over time that if you're giving him the respect, if you are being, um, you know, have that sincerity in your heart, it'll be it'll get noticed. And a big part of this, and we keep kind of we keep coming back to it, obviously, because Paul keeps coming back to it, which is Christ. Christ is at the center of this entire these these two short passages that we wrote, because we wrote, we read. Sorry, <laughs> we keep writing things today. You started writing, and now we're all writing. Mark with a C Are you book. writing a book? <laughs> I need to read it. What Paul wrote here, all of it circling around Christ being the center, because. 
as a person who is not of faith, as someone who has not repented, has not accepted Christ as their savior, it's hard to convince that kind of a person that someone else is their master. Because a person who has no faith in them, who is not a believer, they believe that they are their own master. That's that's just the reality of it. Whether they admit it or not, whether you acknowledge that or not, that's that's the way you live though. Because when you're not living for Christ, you're living for for yourself. And yeah, maybe sometimes you have some good deeds because yeah, I mean, there are people who are not Christians, but are also, and they're good, you know, they'll sacrifice sometimes. There's people who, you know, travel the world and feed the, like hungry and they're not Christians, you know? So there is good there, but truly understanding what it means to bow down to your master is something that a Christian understands because we understand Christ being that master. And so all these examples, it seems like Paul is just kind of covering all the grounds to show you that no matter who you are, no matter how old you are, no matter what position you're in, as a believer, you are to continue to follow Christ and you are to continue to set that example of Christ and to be obedient to the people around you because you of all people understand what it means to bow down to your master. You of all people understand what it means to have temptation all around you and to push your own ego aside and your own desires aside because you know that you don't serve yourself. I don't serve the desires of my flesh. I serve Christ. And so regardless of what position you're in right now, if you're listening to this and you're a 16 year old who doesn't want to obey his parents as a Christian, do what Christ did and humble, humble yourself, acknowledge the fact that I am dependent on my parents and I will respect them. Not because I have to, but because I did, I get to, because Christ showed me that example. If you're someone of power and you're listening to this and you have people working under you, or maybe you're a, a parent who has children under you, do what Christ did. Have empathy, have love, have compassion. Be the kind of master that serves Christ because of all people, you know what it means to wake up and realize Christ is my master. That's something that it's not easy. I, I, I think that acknowledging Christ over us is hard, even for someone who is a believer. I think there are times where we want to given to our earthly desires. And there are times where we, you know, would rather sleep in than go to church on a Sunday morning, or we kind of just get caught up with the day-to-day things and we forget to read God's word a day or, or pray that day. There are certain things that happen that even the strongest of Christians can, can falter at times, but it's that constant reminder of who our master is, who do we serve? And I think that as long as we continue to refocus on Christ, these different relationships that we have in our life, mother with her child, a child with their parents, a master with their bond servant, a servant with their master employer, employee, all these relationships we have will fall into place if you understand your place before God. Amen. 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 Vlad, can you pray? Sure. Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity to be together around your word that you reminded us uh, that we are to live knowing that you are a master and that we're living by your grace, Lord, because without you would be nothing, Lord. We so thank you for your salvation that you provided through through yourself, uh, through the cross, that we have forgiveness of sin. Help us to always remember that you're not just our savior, but you are our Lord, and we are to obey and do whatever we do, we do to your glory. Thank you so much for this time, and I pray that we continue to stay in your word and we walk in obedience. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. 
Thank you for joining us today. We hope God was able to reach your heart so now you can go and share it with others. Feel free to leave any questions, prayer requests, or blessings. Join us on Instagram and share our podcast to others. And remember, always keep your heart in Scripture.